Hey, Ding Dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she was just pulled over for driving perfectly. It's my sister, Marissa. Well, I did drive perfectly, so. (laughs) I can't believe he pulled you over just to tell you that. I mean, you only see perfection once in a lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) And it's you and Janet. So. Basically. Welcome back to another episode. Before we get into the recap, uh, just some housekeeping up front. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us on iTunes. That would be lovely. I haven't checked in a little while to see if we have any new ones. I haven't either. I'll, I'll do that before we close up tonight. And you can follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play twitter you can find us at the good play pod where marissa does uh the live tweeting of the show each week and you can email us at the good play pod at gmail.com yes and we have at least we have one listener email oh Trifton, great who i also have it. a text from a friend about the, ep- the <laughs> this week's episode so Trifton emailed in and and his question was shocking so oh okay. i'm excited to get i'm excited to get to it all right. I think we may also have something in the Facebook group we should address. Okay, cool. So do you want to tackle the recap? Yes, a fractured inheritance. And let the record show that I was correct. You were. About the, about the genesis of the title. I already bragged on Twitter. just wanted to brag again with my voice. <laughs> my human voice. Uh, so, you know, this is another split the party episode, as Brianna referred to it last time. And I think mm-hmm. that that's a, a good way to describe it, where Michael and Eleanor are in one place and Chidi, Janet, Dahani, and Jason are in another place. So we start off with Michael and Eleanor. They are in Tarantula Springs, Nevada. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, you know, Mike sure now officially hates Arizona and Florida and now also Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of state by state dis dissing going on yeah. here. So they pull up to Eleanor's mom's house. Eleanor's mom's name is Donna. She's of course she's going by the alias Diana, but her her real name is Donna. Diana Tremaine. Yes, which of course is the uh, alias that Eleanor used to get into the bad place at the end of last season. Eleanor sort of asks Michael like. Why did you not tell me before that my mom had faked her own death? And Michael's like, well, I already kind of laid a lot on you and I didn't want to be a bummer. (laughs) And Eleanor had been made to believe, had been told by a police officer that her mother had been trampled to death while adjusting her toe ring at a Rascal Flats concert. (laughs) The only thing I know about the Rascal Flats is they did a cover of Life is a Highway for the Cars soundtrack. Yes. (laughs) Which I quite liked. Really? Yeah, I like that cover. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Nope. Well, I I won't go to their concert with a toe ring, I'll tell you that. But uh, the police officer was an actor, and uh, Donna faked her death in order to get out of paying for a $30,000 bid she made on a date with Gene Simmons, beating (laughs) all other uh, bids by like $29,800 or something. (laughs) So, So Donna's living under the name Diana Tremaine, and... You know, Michael's like, Eleanor, remember, this is not about you. You are, you want to get your mom into the good place, which side note, not going to happen. Definitely not. I, yeah. <laughs> nope. Unless her mother like lays down her life for some, you know, like. Tis a far, dies. far better thing that I yes, do now. Exactly. And Eleanor's like, okay, great. This isn't about me. And then Donna answers the door and Eleanor immediately screams in her face. Like, how could you do this to me? <laughs> it's pretty great. So Donna is living in her boyfriend Dave's house, who is Andy Daly. Is Andy that right? Daly. Yeah. He's so charming. He is. So I think a lot of like people who are into, I'm going to say modern humor, and I'm going to sound like an old person. I just mm-hmm. mean that like I don't keep up with all of the various comedy projects that happen in the 2010s. Mm-hmm. I understand he's quite famous. Yes. Don't. Yes. It's fine. I, I recognize him as a person. I was like, oh, uh, this is a guy I've seen before. He's been I... on an episode of How Did This Get Made. Oh, okay, cool. He did the um, Maximum Overdrive. I don't even remember that episode. What Counts as a Machine? Do you remember that? any of that? No. Okay. Oh, wait. 
The the Stephen King lawnmower. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So Eleanor's like, I know you're running a scam. And Donna says, no, it's not. It's not a scam. And then Dave comes in with his nine-year-old daughter, Patricia. Oh, this sweet little girl. Yeah. Who, like, runs over to Donna and throws her arms around her and says, Donna, hi. So we are to understand, obviously, that this is Donna's stepdaughter. Yeah. And Eleanor is like... Well, she calls her Diana. Diana, yes. Yeah. And... <laughs> and... And Dave is like, well, who's this? And and Donna's like, this is my, you know, sorority sister of the same age that I am or whatever. And yeah. Eleanor's like, yeah, from Kappa Zeta Jones. <laughs> uh, in Budapest, where the rest of the gang is, they are in line to see Camilla's uh, very modern art show. And Janet says, look... Your competitive relationship with your sister is, like, the A number one reason you didn't make it into the good place. And it might also keep your sister out of the good place. So, like, let's focus up on that. But Tahani will not wait in line for this. And and she's also, like, calling her sister a charlatan for, like, doing all of these sort of abstract, very simple paintings with, like, simple shapes. And Jason is, like, you know, (laughs) talking about how they all look like boobs. It's pretty great. Yeah, and then later Chidi refers to them as boobs again and is like, sorry, once Jason said it, it's all I can yeah. think. So Camilla's installation art or whatever is that she's like, she's running an omelet bar. Oh my God. <laughs> at the front this, of the line. This whole thing just like brought me back to art school in like the realest way possible. <laughs> it's a commentary. So can somebody, if anybody here, if anybody listening to this is like more of an accent expert than I am, which I realize probably not but can someone tell me what the difference is that i'm hearing between tahani and camilla's accents because uh, camilla almost sounds like she's speaking received pronunciation to me like she's so proper and tahani just sounds like a normal sort of bbc british accent Anyone i, I has think it? to me camilla's accent is like almost like an affectation like May- I yeah think, quite possibly i think she has obviously has an accent from like growing up in Britain, but that she has sort of like put on an air through like changing her accent a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a commentary on our obsession with subservience, consumption, death, and pedagogy. Well, I can't do the accent, but it's grade A nonsense. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's but it would like that is some like a Christie's auction would like eat it up. Yes. <laughs> So would uh, a lot of MFA programs, is all I'm saying. <laughs> Kim- and Tani's like, I don't want an omelet. I just want to talk to you. And Camilla's like, the exhibition is over because my sister would not accept an omelet. And all the people in line like know who Tahani is because they're all Camilla super fans. And they're all like, oh, typical Tahani. It's yeah. Like, I feel so bad for Tahani in this Me moment. Too. Me too. Cut back to Nevada, where Dave is serving margaritas, which are apparently like the best margaritas ever. And he tells them that he met Diana, quote-unquote Diana, at a bar that he was there to demolish. And she threatened him. She threatened to kill him or something. And he was like, and that's when I fell in love. And they're like, what? Yeah. (laughs) And he says, hey. He's like a very bland guy who also is, because it's Nevada, like an architect for things like Hooters. Hooters. And I think there's another, like... He's working on a car dealership that's also a burlesque house oh, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, like, trying to close this condemned bar or something. And and Eleanor's mom is, like, day drinking. And that's how they meet. <laughs> uh, and he says, you know, how'd you two become friends? And Michael's like, let's just say we lived in the same neighborhood. Dave's like, what a fun way to say a normal thing. <laughs> Uh, and then it comes out that Eleanor's mom is running for PTA secretary at Patricia's elementary school. And, you know, when Michael and Eleanor get a moment alone, Michael's like, I, you know, I think she's she's actually kind of doing well on her own. And Eleanor's like, no, she's running a scam. I'm going to find it out. In Budapest, Jason and Janet walk around the museum and Jason becomes aware of the fact that Janet be, be, re, becomes aware for the nth time yes. that Janet knows everything. So she starts rattling off the the values, like the auction values of all the paintings, which are very high. I mean, I know that Camilla's kind of 
a demigod in this universe, but yeah, it's a lot of money. I also loved. I think I put this in the discussion, but I think Jason deserves an MFA because he he walks in the room and he goes, "Here you can clearly see the interpretation." <laughs> like he's just he's trying to sound smart. It's great. It's really funny. Tahani goes up to Camilla, tries to apologize, and she's like, "Thanks for apologizing. I don't accept it." And then Tahani gets all upset and throws an egg at Camilla's egg painting, and then her f- hardcore fans are all like, "Oh, egg on egg." You know, Camilla is such a genius, and Tani's like, ah! <laughs> yeah, she can't win. At Dave's house, Eleanor is ransacking Patricia's room, looking for the stash of hidden cash that she knows her mother to have, just in case she needs to fake her own death again. And Patricia walks in, and Eleanor's like, did uh, Diana ever ask you to, like, hide anything special? And Patricia's like, no and no she's really nice to me that's what yeah. she says yeah and eleanor has like a huge carving knife and she like holds up a teddy bear she's like i'm just gonna like cut the head off of this and check inside and michael's like no 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 you're not okay bye patricia thanks and he kind of pulls her outside and is like yo stop it like you want her to be running a scam but she seems to be genuinely happy here and Eleanor's like, oh, I know what we can do. Michael, like, you try to seduce her, which might actually work because <laughs> Diana referred to Michael as a stretched out, sexy Alex Trebek, I think. <laughs> and she's like, first things first, you have a penis. And Michael's like, young lady. He try- He actually tries to be like her stern dad. It's, it's really sweet. He's like, young lady, you will stop this right now. And Eleanor's like, yeah, that's not going to work on me. Yeah. Back in Budapest... Chidi's like, let me see if I can mediate between you, Tahani, and your sister. So he goes up and he says, hi, I, I'm I'm Tahani's friend Chidi. And Camille's like, Chidi is an Igbo word meaning God exists. And he's like, yeah. And she like does this like hand wavy things near him and is like, all your fears are now mine. And he's like, oh, and he like wanders off. And Tani's like, well, and Chidi's like, huh, what? Hey, yeah, every, no, I'm good. I- <laughs> yeah, he's like, she's amazing. And Tani's like, ugh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't catch a break. So Tahani takes the fire axe off the wall and buries it in the table with the omelet station. And the security guards immediately spring up and Chidi's like, oh, my fears are mine again. <laughs> that was great. I love that line. We cut to the, uh, it's not, you have it in the notes as the MGM Grand Elementary School. It actually has an even longer name than that, but I don't remember what it is. It's like, it's like an ex- excessively branded elementary school, which was built on a decommissioned military test site. <laughs> They're all sort of getting ready for PTA elections. Michael and Dave are bonding because they're both architects and they're cracking dad jokes. And Eleanor's mom gets up and says, you know... Basically makes like a very weak gag about liking to drink wine or something and then saying, you know, there's a really great kid in this school and, you know, Patricia and I and I want to help out as much as I can for her sake. And Eleanor is really upset by this. And so she like buttonholes Dave and she's like, hey, the woman that you think's name is Diana Tremaine is really Donna Shellstrop and she's my mom and, and she is on the run or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I, I know all that. He she told me all that like after the first time we um did the hanky panky and it's you know it's fine like i know and it's fine and eleanor's just like oh well she she's like well she's gonna like you don't understand like she's a liar and she's gonna lie to you and he's like well she's been nothing but honest with me so like I, i know that she kind of like has a checkered past but like i don't really mind because like she's kind of she's never done that to me she's kind of turned over a new leaf and then he just kind of walks away and of course eleanor is struggling with this and michael's like you know just she's changed like just kind of live with that and eleanor is like this this broke my heart you know it's like why why is this so hard for you and she's like i always wanted that mom i wanted the mom who like put out snacks for me instead of making me like forage for food i mean this like is a really real i mean it has comedy tinges to it but it's like a very real portrait of an excessively neglectful borderline abusive or maybe just flat out abusive yeah uh parent child situation you know i wanted the mom who 
you know, knew anything about my schooling or whatever. Yeah. You know, instead I had this sort of neglectful monster who has now changed and become a mom who really is is involved with her kid. And the fact that she didn't do it for me, but she will do it for this other kid means that, like, I wasn't worth changing for, but this oh, kid is. That broke my heart. Yeah, she says, if Donna Shellstrop really has changed, that means... She was always capable of change. I just wasn't worth changing for. Which is, I mean, how can you not come to that conclusion if you're that kid? Yeah, I, I, yeah. And her delivery of this whole speech was just like, oh, Kristen Bell's a gem. Yeah, so on point. And she just, it was heartbreaking. It really, really was. So they go back to the house and Eleanor finds her mom in the laundry room and is like, look, I'm I'm sorry. You really have changed. And like, let me help you. And she like picks up a box of detergent and her mom's like, not that box, not that box. That's, that's only for my delegates. And Eleanor's like, you never wash your bras. And then she <laughs> looks inside the detergent box and she finds the wad of money she's been expecting. In Budapest, Tahani and Shidi are being held by uh, the museum security. And we see a flashback to Tahani's childhood where her parents say... You know, we're having like the French ambassador over and both of you need to paint a painting. You have four hours to make a painting, which I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Like you can't paint a painting in four hours. Yeah, not a very good painting, that's for sure. Each of you have to paint a painting, putting into visualization like your favorite moment in French military history. And the the winning painting will be hung up for the French ambassador and the losing painting will become kindling in our fire for the French ambassador. So she has this flashback. And then as and, and the, the imagery from the flashback is the two parents sitting together on the couch. I'm, I'm gesturing with my hands, even though this is not a visual medium, but <laughs> it's the two parents sitting together like on a love seat. And then the two children sort of out at an angle, you know, away from each parent. And sort of directly, so it's like a trapezoid, basically. Like the, yeah, the two parents sides. are on the short side of the trapezoid and the two girls are the other points. And as Tahani has this memory, she then looks at all the abstract art that's in the exhibit. And it's all, you know, these two shapes that are close or touching or overlapping. And then these two shapes that are far apart, like all of them. And the two and she- shapes that are closer together are larger. And yes. And then these two little, yeah. These poor little shapes out in the cold. And she just kind of looks and she's like, oh my God, it's all us. All of these paintings are all us. And then she goes over with her handcuffs still on and she puts her arms around Camilla, who struggles at first, but then Tahani's just like, I'm sorry, our parents were such wankers. And I understand why you can't accept my apology because... You know, this is the competition that our parents put us into. That's what fuels your art. But, you know, I'm sorry that this had to happen to us. And Camille's like, they were wankers, weren't they? Yeah. (laughs) She's like, security, release these people at once. And and they do. And right, which is good because Chidi had been musing aloud about how before being tortured for eternity in hell, he was going to be tortured in a Hungarian prison (laughs) for the rest of his (laughs) life. We cut back to Nevada where Diana admits that she's been sneaking money for da- from Dave in case everything blows up again. And Eleanor's like, you know, she basically starts walking her through her life like, well, why are you wearing yoga p- pants right now? And her mom's like, because I go to yoga like once a week. And it's like, and then what do you do after that? I go out for a drink with like my girls. But then, I, and, and what do you drink? Chardonnay. Like, Oh, yeah. And I can only have one glass because I get sleepy. And then I safely <laughs> drive myself home. <laughs> right. So Eleanor's like, yeah, you're basic. And her mom's like, you're basic. And Eleanor's like, no, you know, you actually really like this suburban life. She she goes, I love this line delivery. She goes, no, mom, you're basic. Like, as yeah. a, you know, <laughs> like, like pitying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So she says, look, you got to take that money that you stole and spend it on Patricia. That's the only way that you can make it right. Uh, You have a do-over. Use it. Which is... Broke my heart. Yeah, that's that's rough. So they hug and there's cash in her mom's bra, which of course she says, that's why I never wash my bras. (laughs) (laughs) 
on the way wherever they're going next from the art show Chidi shows Tahani an article about the art installation with the with the axe and the omelet table and says you know this is she's she's calling it a fractured inheritance and she's giving you like partial credit you know like it's like by Camilla and Tahani Aljamil and Tahani's kind of like well I probably should have had first billing on that but okay fine <laughs> great that's nice like I'll just text her about that and Chidi's like can you just like cool your jets please <laughs> please please in Nevada Michael and Eleanor say goodbye to the Dave Patricia and Donna Diana clan and uh Michael has has done Dave's work for him it's an architecture like the architecture assignment he's supposed to be doing and Dave like looks at it he's like hey this is really great you just uh forgot bathrooms and Michael's like Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not because I don't use bathrooms. I mean, I really love to sit on the toilet and really, like, shoot one out. (laughs) I laughed. I laughed my buttocks off. And they all say goodbye and are driving away. And Michael's like, you know, it's okay. It's okay. He he can't understand why she's still sad, really. Yeah, I mean, it's part. Michael doesn't fully understand humans even now. And Eleanor's like, I mean, look, it's great that she's changed and that Patricia has a better mom than I had. But like, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that she was a terrible mother to me. And it's the reason and like her bad parenting is the reason that I've never actually been able to be close to anybody. And I've never said I love you to anybody. And Michael's like, oh, yeah. When I said that you knew everything about your life, I meant your living life. I haven't told you about the part when you were dead and you and Chidi fell in love with each other and yeah that happened hey you want to listen to a podcast (laughs) the end (laughs) I would love it if like the Mark Evan Jackson Good Place podcast started playing at that point like (laughs) welcome to the good place yeah so so this the episode that's coming up next week and I only say this because it's related to the this this last scene that I just related the original title that we kind of got sent by, you know, our fan in Hawaii who had like some sort of spoilery leak of the episode titles, it used to be called Reboot 445, which you said at the time, I was just listening to this old episode. Mm-hmm. You said at the time, I bet that's the reboot where they fell in love. And I was like, oh, you're very wise. And like, obviously, you're 100% right. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Now it's not called that anymore. It's called the worst possible use of free will. Mm. So do you think the episode itself changed or do you think? No, I think episode titles are tentative. Uh, we never figured out the, the, um, the snowplow episode was originally called the uh, cloning of Agamemnon. So I assume that like a scene that would have explained that title was written out. Mm, okay of the show and they wrote something else in or they decided to use an existing scene or whatever as explanation. So I maybe calling it reboot 445 they thought was like too much of a giveaway. I don't know. Well, we're going to get, I mean, last week in our episode, we talked about how like the Chidi and Eleanor relationship hadn't really gotten a lot of play this season. I think we are full on <laughs> jumping back into uh, that. Uh, SS Chelinor, everybody <laughs> climb aboard. Uh, uh. Just sailing off into the night, sailing <laughs> the, off into the dark our dreams. Of hell. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you think of the episode? This I actually liked it a lot. I did too. Um, I, I think it was critically not as beloved as some of the other episodes this season, but I actually thought it was, it, it, it's it's maybe towards the top of my ranking for this season so far. I agree. And, you know, we, can't, we, we come to grips with the real consequences of these things that we have kind of used as punchlines for the last couple seasons. Not entirely. I mean, Eleanor's breakdown in the Bed Bath and Beyond is like a real thing. And it, I, I wouldn't say it's exactly made light of. Yeah. But she tries to make light of it. Yeah, she does. Yeah. And this is the first time that we've really seen Eleanor just kind of be extremely real about the fact that like my upbringing damaged me irreparably. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, and it's the reason you know putting aside the fact that it's impossible it's nigh impossible to get into the good place based on the point system for a second putting that aside her upbringing and the fact that her mother was so i mean both of her parents really but her mother 
in particular, I think was so neglectful and withholding and just kind of like a monster really put Eleanor down this path where she like did a lot of bad things in order to kind of, that was her coping mechanism was like, don't let anybody get too close you know, cause then they can't hurt you. And she learned a lot of these like terrible behaviors from her mom. Right. You know, yeah, even- and this, and this episode in a lot of ways is closing the loop that began with, uh, her conversation with Simone after the Tahani engagement party. Say more about that. Well, Simone's talking about how you never kind of got to this very basic point of, I don't know if you would call it moral thinking or just sociological thinking, social psychology thinking. You never got to this very basic point that most of us reach when we are children in terms of like, like not being a completely egocentric maniac. Like you never achieve this very simple thing. And there's no explanation given for it at the time, but Eleanor admits that this is one of the many problems with her. And, and so, and this episode really kind of sews that up to be like, yeah, I, Eleanor has these massive problems and they are due to this person. And it's it's sort of a beautiful thing that Eleanor is able to find it in herself to forgive her mother's incredible shortcomings. But there they are. Yeah. And, and, and we, we already have seen some of the consequences of them. Yeah, it's very bittersweet. It's very, very bittersweet to be able for for Eleanor to be able to, you know encourage her mom to embrace this new life but sort of realize that like you know Eleanor doesn't really have a place in that life and she has been like she says sort of irreparably damaged by this person who you know now she's forgiving it's it's really I, I really thought it was wonderful I really really did it it, it definitely it, it touched my it touched my emotions in a way that m- this season mostly hasn't. Certainly the good place has caused me to feel deep feelings a lot of times for a lot of reasons, but this season it hasn't been as true, but this one I was like, Oh, geez, Louise, you know, yeah, that's a very real and very earned sort of denouement of that relationship. I agree. And it, and it felt more, you know, like last week we dealt with Jason's, family and that was enjoyable and i would say more entertaining but like i don't think jason has the self-awareness to understand like well maybe he does now because you can kind of tell he's like tired of it right tired of his dad's antics but like i don't think he has the self-awareness to understand like this is why i'm damaged or maybe he doesn't i don't even know that he considers himself to be damaged that's what i was gonna say is like maybe he doesn't think of himself as damaged because he's kind of just in spite of everything like kind of a sweetheart (laughs) whereas eleanor has some some real scars that she carries around with her and it affects her relationships and i'm interested to see kind of how (laughs) what is the worst possible use of free will (laughs) oof that I do not know. That's a. We're about to find out. We're, we're about to find out. What did you What did you think about the Tahani Camilla like sort of wrap up? I actually liked it. I, I didn't. I didn't think it was possible that they were going to get to a place where they could make me feel like they had redeemed Camilla somewhat. But I was wrong. Uh, I really felt like it. It. Someone said, "What's it? It must have been on AV Club. I don't remember exactly, but it was like." The Camilla Tahani relationship is basically Gamora and Nebula. Oh my gosh, yeah. And, <laughs> and so it's basically like we've been normally, you know, our point of view character is Gamora, but here our point of view character is actually Nebula. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. This Yeah, the this AV makes Club me, commenters are great. This makes me like appreciate it so much more. <laughs> so I did I did like that. That that line of thought that like I mean, Camilla has been terrible to Tani. There's no two ways about it. But yeah. it, it it it's worth remembering. And this goes for all kinds of sort of parental, you know, neglect or abuse or sort of just bad parenting in general. 
that even the kid who is the so-called golden child, that child is also suffering from the effects of the bad parenting. You know, it's yeah. often not as obvious and it often, oftentimes the kid who, or the children who are not the favored one or ones can't see that fact as Tahani was unable to see that fact. Yeah. And they carry that resentment well into adulthood without ever really understanding that like the golden child had their own problems. The golden child had to learn to live with their own set of things that were messed up and wrong about their life. And the golden child had to stay golden. Otherwise they lost their like value to their parents. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, like Gamora and Nebula again, right? Like, it wasn't yeah. as if G- Gamora was allowed to slack off after she'd won a certain number of of fights. And, you know, it, I don't think it was ever true that Camilla was allowed to kind of take a, take a break from, you know, being a Rhodes Scholar or whatever. Yeah, or like having her Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, like, you know, a month after her album was released or whatever <laughs> right. it was, like... The youngest person to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, that's actually... I... Now, you've convinced me to, like, come around to this. Because <laughs> I, I was very, very touched by the stuff between, you know, the reconciliation between Eleanor and her mom. I was very, very touched by that. I was a little less touched by the Camilla and Tahani storyline because, like you said, Camilla's just... I mean, I guess... Donna is too, but Camilla just seemed like Donna's funnier, so she gets away with yeah. Stuff maybe that's more. it. Maybe that's it. But but Camilla just seemed like so like unrepentantly uh, terrible to her sister, <laughs> and I maybe that's like I have a more of it's a, a pro- bridge too far with you. Maybe maybe I'm just like you don't you don't know how lucky you are to have a sister like. <laughs> You should never, you should always love your sister, be good to your sister. But I think like, you know, not to get too real, right? But like you and I have talked about how like in a lot of situations, like your sibling is the person that you're like, you are the most real with if something is happening or, you know, you kind of become like Tahani talks about how her parents were a unit and pitted the kids against each other i think for us like we had and still have wonderful parents this is not a this is not about our parents necessarily but like you and i have a bond where like we are a unit right right and so you i think for for any for for these kids to never have had a moment where they're they just like looked at each other and were like mom and dad are nuts right <laughs> like they it doesn't seem that's like they the, ever that's had the that. most perfect part of having a sibling that's yes. why you make a child a sibling because at some point they need to look up to somebody and go like is it just me or are things around here like forking nuts that's why siblings exist. Yes. That's why they're that's, that's why the they're only necessary. <laughs> but that's but like I I think. There was never any... So, like, I don't... This is, like, a weird thing. I don't watch this show, but I've, like, read a lot about it, and I've and I've watched some clips of it and stuff. But the HBO show Six, Succession, which is about, like, basically about... What's that multimedia conglomerate family? The Murdochs? Oh, Rupert Murdoch? And the, we've talked about him before in his giant house in Australia. Yeah, that's right. So it's not about the Murdochs, but it is about a fictionalized version of like this media conglomerate family and there there's a patriarch who built the empire and then there's three kids underneath who like all work at the company and i've listened to a lot of like analysis of the show and and i've i've read stuff about it i kind of got interested in it because they film in the neighborhood where i work so i was like hmm. <laughs> but there is they're always pitted up against each other because it's like who's next in line for the throne essentially right um and the father kind of like fuels the fire of that competition between the three of them but there is an episode towards the end of the season where they have some time away from their parents and the three siblings just like get together and enjoy each other's company as siblings and you know a lot for a show that you've never watched yeah i have like a weird it's weird 
I listen to a pod. I really like a podcast where they talk. They like love the show, so they talk about it a lot. But the, uh, if anybody's interested, the watch on the Ringer Podcast Network. Anyway, no, no, no. You're always listening to our podcast. Or yes, yeah. <laughs> Buzz Market, other like much more well known. They talk about the Good Place every once in a while, but they haven't in a long time. But there's a scene where like the three kids like are still in the middle of you know who's going to be next up for you know the line of succession essentially that's the name of the show but they take they can are able to like take a break from that and just enjoy each other's company and also kind of like you can see how if you stripped away the wealth and everything that like maybe they'd have a more functional relationship and i that's a very long walk to say that like Hmm. i think that with tahani and and camilla's relationship you never saw any kind of anything other than the two of them being pitted against each other. So I found it a lot uh, harder to imagine that they would sort of instantly be, like, reconciled. Well, their parents have been dead for a while at this point. So, you know, the, the primary stressor on their relationship is gone. That's true. If their parents were still alive, I don't know if this would be possible. But... With the immediate threat of the disapproval of the sort of extremely severe and punishing parents gone, maybe, you know, they were ripe for a breakthrough. Yeah, maybe. No thanks to Chidi. (laughs) (laughs) Who didn't quite have much to do in this episode. Neither did Jason, neither did Janet. Yeah, that's true. Although, like I said, I think Jason deserves an MFA. (laughs) (laughs) The interpretation. You can clearly see the interpretation. It was very cute, I thought, how how giddy Janet was to be able to spend time with Jason. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) at the end of the day, it's basically the smartest being in the universe and the dumbest. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. uh, Maybe you can do a little bit better. That's a tough sell. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he is incredibly attractive, but... uh, He is a total smoke show. Yeah. Maybe she just sort of delights in having an endless void into which she can pour her knowledge. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, he is technically married to Tahani, so I don't really know how all this is going to shake out. Oh, I completely... (laughs) Isn't that hilarious? About that. That's <laughs> right. They just they got married like an episode and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and because of it, she refused to uh, have carnal relations with Donkey Dog. That's right. Otherwise, she would have been totally into it. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, uh, could you imagine like if they actually had a real wedding and like Tahani's parents were still around and they had to like go to Jacksonville for <laughs> to meet. The in-laws? No. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Tahani's mom would have just burned the state of Florida down with her eyes. I agree. Basically. Is Tahani essentially, like, living now a version of that? What was that, like, fake BBC show that she introduced in the first season? Where, like, the upstairs-downstairs kind of, like, a really posh roommate and then a really basic roommate? Ma- Margaret was one of their names. Uh, hold on. Like, she's essentially living that now, because she's married to, like, the most, like, simpleton person on the whole show. Is it Beatrice and Margaret or something like that? Deirdre. Deirdre and Margaret. Supposedly ran for, hold on. 30. No, wait. Okay. (laughs) Supposedly ran for 16 years on the BBC, and they did nearly 30 episodes. Yes. (laughs) What else is up? What else do we want to say about this episode? Um, I, I don't know if there's anything to say that we sort of didn't say last week about like, well, oh, I, I did want to say one thing, which is that, you know, Dave, it's great that Donna's been straight with you about her past. Uh, that being said, you are a father and you should definitely not let strange women who are hiding under an assumed identity uh, parent your minor child. <laughs> I don't care how great she is to you. I don't care. I'm, I would bet money on the fact that Dave is divorced and not widowed. And therefore, does Patricia's biological mother know that her stepmother is on the run from the law? 
Like, this is not okay in any way, shape, or form. I know it's a comedy show. I would just like to put my objections out there. I was say, technicalities. <laughs> just like to put my objections out there. I mean, I think what's interesting about the character of Dave is that, like, he's just this, like, super affable guy who doesn't seem to care that this woman is, like, a reformed... Catfishing him? <laughs> essentially catfishing him, but, like being straight about it she's like hey listen i'm catfishing you he's like cool (laughs) and then on top of that like he is in the in almost the same way that jason just like takes it as totally normal that like he went to a high school that was a bunch of tugboats tied together in a (laughs) junkyard like dave's whole thing about like the Hooters that he built, he was like, you know, it was the first Hooters made of brick, so, like, it, it looked really classy or whatever. And it's, a, it's like, these people who are really affable and kind, but also have this undercurrent of, like, complete, like, what are you doing with your life, man? <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you think this is okay? Like, who knows? Damn. I like Andy Daly, though. I mean, also, yeah, I mean, but also, like, Hey, um, so in 2018, when you volunteer at a school, and I'm not making this up, this is a true thing because my child is now in public school, and I I now know this to be actual fact, that in 2018, when you want to volunteer at your child's school, as in just be present in the school while there are children in the school, you have to undergo a background check. Is that true? I, I just said, I prefaced my whole statement with this is a true thing that I know because my child is now in public school. Well, I'm... You know, just adding a little... Uh... <laughs> a soup saw of skepticism. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is true. You have to undergo a background check to do anything at the school ever. So, like, I if I'm Dave, I'm like, honey, it's, like, super admirable that you want to be PTA secretary. Okay, but let's be real. Do you think that background check is happening at the MGM Grand Elementary School on the decommissioned <laughs> military base? No. That, that I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, like a step up from tugboats in a junkyard. <laughs> so I don't know. It looks like a pretty nice school to me. <laughs> well, let's hope she can, can keep this up. I wonder if we're going to see her again. Good question. No idea. That actress is great though. I think she's great too. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I guess we have the same questions from last week in terms of like, well, <laughs> How, how, mu- how much one-on-one good placening are these people going to do? Yeah, that's I like the verb version of that. <laughs> good placening. And uh, still, you know, are the humans aware that it's impossible to get into the good place at all? They don't seem to be. <laughs> that's fine. Cool. You know, all these are all these are going concerns. Yeah, I mean, I think Michael saying like, "Well, now I've told you everything that you need to know." Like, no, you haven't, man. There was some real stuff that happened uh, in the past couple of seasons (laughs) that you're just sort of like deciding over. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're you're giving them the basic outline, but like, let's be real. There was some real growth that happened in the afterlife that these people need to know about. If you're gonna if you're gonna damn them to you know torture for all eternity for knowing the system, then you know you should give them a download of everything else they need to know. I think. Yeah, I mean, would it be impossible for Michael to kind of basically let them watch The Good Place? <laughs> that I don't know. Like, would it? Would he? Maybe you know. You know, they don't have their power, so I'm guessing that they don't have access to that stuff anymore. Yeah, that's probably true. And the neighborhood was obliterated. Yeah, I mean, he might still have data files sort of hanging out somewhere. Who knows? So what was the, uh, the email? email? Oh, it was from Trifton. And he makes an extremely good point. What did he say? It's one line. It's just one line email. What if someone finds the manifesto and posts it online? Would that doom the world? Great question. Probably yes. <laughs> things, hashtag things that never even occurred to me. Dot com. Trifton, are you secretly on the writing staff? No, for... he's not. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. No, but like, that's a that's an extremely real concern. And that's a really excellent reason for them to have like, have the manifesto be a thing in the first place. Yeah. I mean, do you think it's, you have to believe it? Or is it just like, if you know it, then that's it? 
Because, like, I can imagine, be, like, hearing, like, oh, well, there's a point system in the afterlife and a bunch of people going, like, that's not how that works. And then just, like, moving on with their lives. Well, I, I can definitely see the show deciding not to get caught up in that and just instead saying, this has been posted online, everybody therefore is doomed QED. You know, and not kind of going through the mechanics of, like, some people believe it and some people don't believe it and some people don't have internet access. Like, <laughs> That's the of... other thing I was going to say. Like, you know, your digital inclusion is really, uh, you know, then all the all the people who don't have access to the internet are still in contention. Which would, I think, probably even the playing field for them in a way that... <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going to guess that, you know, it's if, if this really did make its way out and it was considered, you know verifiable then it would probably make its way to like uh, terrestrial radio and all kinds of things that like pretty much everybody in the world has access to unless you're like in one of those amazonian lost tribes what if you're like on the arctic circle (laughs) nope there's nobody at the Arctic. what i don't even know you mean antarctica yeah i mean they eventually well first of all they do get communications from the broader world you know, on occasion. And also, they don't live there their whole lives. Beep, 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 beep. There's just in. <laughs> There's a point system for the afterlife. Sorry. Beep, 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 beep. There was some story recently about how some researcher stabbed another in Aust- Sorry, in Antarctica. I think because he kept playing the same music or something. I mean, t- speaking of cabin fever. You wanna, I saw something you know- about that recently and someone was like, oh my god. It's John Carpenter's It is happening. And I was like, oh, you are you might be right. Or that episode of The X-Files that was a ripoff yes, of John Ice. Carpenter's It. Ice. Yes. I love it's that It's a great episode of X-Files. I, that scares the bejesus out of me. That or episode. it's my senior year roommate situation, but I was the one who deserved to be stabbed. Oh, because all you <laughs> did, did was sing in- Graceland? <laughs> <laughs> look, look. There's a girl in New York City who calls herself the human trampoline. And sometimes when I'm falling, flying, or tumbling in turmoil, I say, whoa, so this is what she means. She means we're bouncing into Graceland. Listen, I... And I I... see losing love as like a window in your heart. (sighs) Everybody sees you blow your boat apart. Everybody sees the wind blow. You have to admit that's a great album. But it's a fantastic album. But my roommates were basically modern day saints for putting up with me for <laughs> sitting on the couch in our kitchen. Yes, we had a couch in our kitchen. You a did leather, a black leather couch for some reason. It was it was left there by the last tenants. Sitting on the black leather couch in my kitchen and doing nothing but singing along to Graceland for basically the entire first semester of our senior year. It was fine. I was fine. I wasn't fine. It's okay. It's okay not to be fine, guys. If you're not fine, you're not fine. I'm fine now, though, except for the fact that I'm sleep deprived. But I chose to have children. This is we have we have <laughs> gone off off the rails. This is like this is like a stream of consciousness. Yes, I've, I've, become, I've, into... become, I've become a Virginia Wolf novel. It's true. <laughs> I was gonna say. Like a James Joyce, you know, <laughs> soliloquy over here. I'm a little more comprehensible than James Joyce, I know. That's hope. true. That's very true. Yeah, man. Um, I'm really interested to see uh, what happens next, and I hope nobody gets uh, stabbed on this show. That would be kind of a bummer. I, I think Trifton has the right idea, though. You know, this manifesto is basically a ticking time bomb that that we don't know what Janet and Michael did with it. I was going to say, where is, we don't even know where it is. No, I mean, it could be on a thumb drive that Janet has in her mouth or something. <laughs> well, she can't have it in her mouth. She's a person now. Is she? Well, more a person than... She doesn't have her powers. She's well, but good, she's still not a person. I mean, she and Michael aren't using the bathroom, right? That, so she's not, she's not a person. So. I did see, like, I didn't investigate this at all. So maybe I, you know, maybe I'm speaking out of turn. But I did see somebody on Twitter refer to Janet as, like the first uh non-binary character like that's gotten ever? a lot of maybe not ever but like that's gotten a lot of like mainstream attention and i was like oh that's an interesting way to look at janet because she's always like i'm not a girl i'm not a person i'm not a robot i'm not this i'm not that like i'm me uh i thought that was an interesting 
if point. the non-binary community sees her as a symbol, that's awesome. I would have qualms about declaring that because she's also not human. <laughs> so yeah, that's probably true. It's a little weird to be like, hey, here's this really great role model for this particular branch of your humanity. Oh, except that she's not human. So right. sorry. <laughs> sorry. And that's that. like her number one thing. That's what she's not. I'm not a person. Right. Although, yeah, who knows? I don't know. Science science fiction presents us with a lot of helpful tropes sometimes, and sometimes they do not come in the skin of a human being. Yeah. Interesting. So, anything else, or shall we wrap up? Uh, I did not. There was nothing on the Good Play Facebook group. I thought I saw something, but there's nothing there. So, guys, I mean, <laughs> I think we kind of mean for the facebook group to be a place for the listeners to kind of run it (laughs) since i feel like i'm always shouting at everybody from the twitter account i don't also want to be shouting at people from the facebook account (laughs) i mean if you want she can just like recite all the words to graceland at you on the facebook group talking to the listeners i'm making a joke (laughs) at your expense (laughs) the mississippi delta was shining like a national guitar (laughs) which we found out is a brand of guitar I completely forgot that. National guitar. Because you're like, this is weird. And then we looked it up. You're like, oh, it's not so weird after all. <laughs> yeah, Paul Simon is can be a little bit uh, obtusely lyrical, but he's usually not that obtusely lyrical. So that makes more sense. Anyway. Yeah, I don't, I can, I can regurgitate the lyrics of Graceland without looking at any notes onto the Facebook group, but I prefer that people start their own conversations there. <laughs> and I will just continue to yell into the void on the Twitter account. Maybe we so should let it give be written, so let it be done. Like, like writing prompts, like give me five hundred words on your favorite good play place character. Yeah, or like, you know, did you? What did you think of Camilla's artwork or whatever? I liked it. I wouldn't pay one hundred and thirty-four million dollars for it, but I liked That's, it. That is, I agree. <laughs> That's a ton of money. Next week. S.S. Chelinor. All aboard. (laughs) All aboard. Until next time, they really should have called it Bury the Hatchet. I'm going to text her and tell her that. We'll see you next time, Ding Dong. Sometimes when I'm falling, flying, tumbling in turmoil, I say, whoa, so this is what she means. She means we're bouncing into Graceland. like a window in your heart Everybody sees your blown apart Everybody feels the wind blows